This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds. Well, without the computers. Talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is the final edition of High Hopes in 2018. And uh, if I do say so myself, I would say it's been a banner year. For the IOS podcast, James Seltzer, Jackie Fritz coming your way. Um, maybe not a banner off season so far for the Phillies, Jack. The uh, last show we did, we basically just yelled for about 45 minutes. Probably not as much yelling this time, but there are certainly things that we could yell about if we wanted to. Um, look, the Machado Harper market is taking time. Mm-hmm. We, uh, sure we is. started to see that coming. Originally thought it wasn't going to. Starting to see that coming. I guess the new. Let's start with the news of the week, and we'll get some uh, mailbag questions later. We've obviously got to discuss the reliever market, the rumors about starting pitchers. One in particular who might cost a lot of money. Who Jack and I really don't want them <laughs> to spend a lot of money on. But let's start with. I mean, it feels like every show we do until something happens, it's Harper Machado and James. The, James, hasn't this offseason just been? It's been one big blue balls. It's it. it it's been like three years of blue balls leading it's up like, to now, which is making it even more blue ball That's what makes it so annoying. It's like, we've been waiting for this since 2015, and since the first, I forget what article, I don't. I forget what publication it came out on, but it was like, well, have you seen the 2018-2019 oh, free agent yeah. class? I feel like Jeff Passan was one of the first ones really beating the drum on it. And it's crazy how it's all worked. I mean, obviously, Jose Fernandez passing away is unfortunate. Yep. Because if he was in this market... It, I mean, he'd be the top pitcher on the market, bar none. Bar none. But, yeah. I mean, but Kirsch, he, might, he could be in the running for best pitcher in baseball with another couple years under I his belt. I think he already was. I think he already was, too. I mean, what he, a... Uh, what a tragedy. I know. I'm still like I that I usually don't react to celebrity deaths. I, dude, I felt that I I had the same thing. Like I actually cried yeah. when I when I it was on my birthday. Passed away on my birthday. I woke up in the morning on my birthday two years ago, and my wife says to me, "Do you know who Jose Fernandez is?" And I'm like, "Yeah, duh. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball." And she's like, "He's dead." And I was like, and I actually cried. Like I was like, the kid was 21 years. I was like, it was so. And you know, if, when you hear his story about how he, you know, from yeah. Cuba and how he got here and all, it was just. Really a tough one. I'm with you. Yeah, that was the the day of Jill's sister's wedding too, and we were oh, wow. we were at uh, like we were getting ready for it, and I was checking my phone, and I was like, "Did I see Jose Fernandez?" Like, like, I was what? like, "What?" I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. Um. Yeah. So if Jose Fernandez is in this class, I mean, this was supposed to be um, the McCutcheon class as well to go along with Harper Machado. Um, Kershaw people thought McCutcheon was still going to be a potential MVP type player, right? This time. So like this class. And Josh Donaldson, at when that people talked about the class, another MVP caliber type guy. Like a lot of the guys who were part Kimbrell, of this. obviously, yeah, I mean, he's still yeah, available. For sure. but Andrew Miller. Like it was viewed as a crazy class. At the time, it was viewed as like every great player in baseball is going to be in this class. Minus eh, Mike Trout. Not quite the case. 
I mean, like, I like, I like McCutcheon. I, we've said we like yeah, McCutcheon, but it's not like we're getting. No. If, 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 he, if he was a free agent in 2016, he's getting 200 million. Now that he's a free agent at age 31, 32, he's getting 15. 100%. And I think especially on the pitching side of things and Jose Fernandez part of it and just Kershaw clearly not leaving. And there were so many aspects to it that kind of made the class less exciting than everyone thought it was going to be. Having said that, and as we've said many times, Harper and Machado are still those seminal generational free agents. And that that has not changed. And they are both on the market. And the Phillies are in the running for both. So there is reason... Still reason for hope and optimism and all that, but Joel Sherman, the news of the week, basically uh, Joel Sherman in the span of one article and one tweet became number one enemy in Philadelphia for a yeah, few days. Yeah, yeah. It was like, so Sherman comes out and says uh, that- one, And Heyman had been saying with Harper for a little bit there. Mm-hmm, that, that they don't want to play in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Jack, we talked about this last time, and I'm I'm doubling and tripling down on it. I don't believe a single word I hear from any of these guys. It's not their fault. They're getting it from boards. They're getting it from here, there, whatever. I don't believe a word I hear. Not one. They have to report what they've heard, which yes. is fine. It's their job. Uh, it's their job. And l- listen, clicks pay the bills. Having your name out there pays the bills. No so question. They got to do their job. I, I mean, Joel Sherman, the New York Post here. All right? <laughs> right. Which is basically a tabloid paper, it right? Is. And he's a good reporter, but like, I mean, clicks still matter. Yes. Um. So... Like it's just ridiculous. I mean, I mean, Harper has said many times that he likes Philadelphia. Boris literally said out of his own mouth that he likes playing in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and would have no problem playing there. Machado was just here yep. and and said how awesome it was. Like, and these are guys who were in Washington and Baltimore. Right. Like, and and we're fine and we're happy in their time. I there. mean, I mean, Harper glows about Washington. Like, I feel like Harper. I feel like Harper was in baseball depression. Like, Washington is a horrible baseball town. Horrible. They didn't have baseball Nobody there. Nobody goes. Nobody cares. There's no history. They didn't have baseball. Is it, uh, 2004 Ryan was first Zimmerman year? is the best player in the history of that franchise. All right? I mean, Bryce Harper is technically, but like, or Max Scherzer is now. But like, in terms of numbers, the Washington well, Nationals themselves, yeah. Ryan Zimmerman. Like, that's their guy. Zimmerman, Brian Schneider. Like, they will have a statue of Ryan Zimmerman in Washington one day. And the one thing that they're known for is that Ted Williams was their manager in, like, the 1950s. <laughs> exactly. And that wasn't even the same team. That was, I, I mean, come on. I know. So, so I just feel like... The Expos what, have more history than the, the Nationals is the point. Here's what has to happen. It's like, this is what's so frustrating about... This is what's so frustrating about talking about uh, the Phillies and the state of the Phillies with just general baseball fans and... Uh, like Phillies fans on Twitter and people who don't see the vision. Like what the Phillies desperately need is they desperately need one of these guys to see the vision because when these guys broke in was 2012 and the Phillies were on the downtrend then and the ballpark wasn't jumping. Like I hope in their I hope in their pre and their free agent presentations they show them what the ballpark was like um, every single night for four years there for five years there because it was. This was a baseball town. This place was Big alive with baseball. It is a great baseball town. It's just like, and everyone talks about, well, they didn't show up last year. I will say one thing about Philadelphia fans is that they 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 know when a team is they, legit. They can sniff it out. Right. I totally agree with you. And People just didn't buy in, and they were right not to. They were right not to, and we tried to beat the drum like they're actually good, even though I feel like when we were, when me and you were watching the team last year, we'd said, we said we said to each other many times. We're like, how are they doing this? Like, how are they a first-place team what right now? What is going on right now? And but ev- they're doing it. Right, and eventually everything caught up and, and whatever. 
if they add in Bryce Harper and they add in these free agent pieces and whatever, like the fans are going well, to show up. Especially like you said, they're already better. Like they're already a better team today than they were at the end of the season. Yep. Just by the Segura and McCutcheon moves and all that stuff. But um, I agree with you. Yeah, and you've said it. Winning cures all. It cures all. If they win and they win believably and they win where it's a team where you feel they have a real chance people will be there right and i just we need one of these guys to to not buy into the no one wants to play or it's a bad sports town or whatever it is like they just have to see the vision they have to understand the vision um and i and i think they will i i think i still think one of these guys will so um also the other thing this week that that was well since we last recorded was the dodgers big trade which was which a, got everyone in a panic. Casey uh, including, Young, including me. Casey Young, my one Dodgers fan friend, just texts me Dodgers in all caps, like exclamation points. I'm like, Casey, chill the oh, brother. I know. Well, I, even me, like even I was susceptible to Every, it. Everyone was like, it, oh, but, well, that's it. Because it looked like it. I mean, they were clearing. It, look, they they traded Puig. They traded these big salary Kemp. Kemp. They traded outfielders big salaries. They had six outfielders, but they still they. It, you look at it and you say, "Oh, I see that." I mean, it's so clear what they're doing. Yeah, so it felt like Harper. Um, now, since the dust has cleared a little bit, um, it Doesn't looks look like it's Harper. So it looks like to me, um, it's going to be Pollock, uh, a, a JT Real Muto trade using Alex Verdugo. Finally, trading Alex Verdugo, who isn't even good, but- <laughs> one of the more overhyped prospects in the sport. But what I will say is, can someone who's not the Phillies please just trade for JT Real Muto and end this? Because I don't. Great player. He's the best catcher in baseball. I, sure. I know people say that like it's like he's like far and away. He's not like Buster Posey from five years ago or whatever. He's not like easily no doubt about I mean, it. Sanchez is one decent season back. Or, Ex- exactly. <laughs> away from being Away back. from being be- the better catcher. And, I, I, and defensively, not defensively, obviously, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like the real Muto thing has become such a like teams are giving up fortunes for this guy. He's a really nice player. But I think with Alfaro and the future he could have, I, I just. I, I don't want to see the Phillies give up what it's going to take to get real. Muto. I would rather I would rather save assets and and trade for Francisco Cervelli and get him to be the Me backup too. in a second. Um, and don't, don't you have? Uh, I'd rather pay Yasmani Grandal, and I don't want to oh, do that. But I, I don't want to do Yasmani. I do too. Um, and that's not the route I want the Phillies to take because I think you know who knows how the market plays out. But I they would, might be able to get him cheap. That's what I'm saying. If the market plays out and you can sign him late, like kind of this Arietta where they did, but you know, in that contract, not the best. But they did get a discount compared to what he thought he was going to get. If you waited out the market, um, like guys like Mustakis come back for one year deal. I did see his money turned down four years, sixty million. The and other that's day. why, look, I don't want to give him that kind of money, but I would rather do that than give up real assets for Real Muto. I don't think Real Muto is that much better than Granda. Yeah. So, um, uh, doesn't like three years ago, Jonathan Lucro is the best catcher in baseball. He was. Remember I, at the I trade did. deadline that when the Rangers traded for him, the Indians were willing to give up. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a legit package of prospects. And Lucro said, "I'm not going to Cleveland. Sorry." And they went to Texas. Yeah, and then the Indians went to the World Series and this and that and all that and whatever. But, yeah, but I had the same kind of vibes from JT Real Muto. Mm-hmm. I mean, now Lucro just signed a one-year deal yesterday. Yeah, like it's just. They, so catching like, catching so volatile, and plus he's going to be a first baseman in two years, yep. and he, or three years, and you already have Hoskins. It just doesn't make sense to trade for him. Totally agree. Unless right. you're a team like the Dodgers that needs him to put you over the top. Right. Correct. So back to the Dodgers, feeling more like that type of thing. They're in on Kluber. It looks like. Yeah, and they should be. I they mean, should be. Their staff is older. Yeah, um, I mean, if you could put Kershaw, as you've discussed your issues with Kluber and the potential of like, why would the Indians want to get rid of this guy with this contract, this age? But like for the Dodgers, said first on this podcast. V- it was said first. Yes, it was you, said I had never heard yeah, anyone yeah. say it, so you right. said it to it me. It was just said saying, first I'm just on saying. the High Hopes podcast, um, th- yes. This one, right. the one we're doing right now. Um, but to that point, 
Um, I, I'm with you. Like, I never uh, – that Kluber to the Dodgers to pair with Kershaw, to, with Hill, with that, like, older type of rotation. Ryu. Ryu, go for it now. I think that makes a lot of sense for them. And they just traded Alex Wood, so there comes there goes some more rotation depth. The, the, the Dodgers have a bunch of dudes that can start games, but they don't really have a – like Kershaw, you're probably going to miss a month mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. Ryu can never stay healthy. Kluber, Kluber would be the machine for that. Kluber would be a machine. It'd be like adding Granky to that team in what? 20? A better Granky. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. when Granky was a there. A more consistent Granky. Right. So um, Kluber makes a lot of. They're gonna they're gonna package Verdugo in some kind of deal for either Realmuto or Kluber. I, I fundamentally believe that. And I agree with you. And I also think that just from a, the way the Dodgers go about their business. They're not giving a 10-year offer to one of these guys. They're not paying the most money on the market. As we've discussed, like if you know, maybe if Harper wants a five-year deal, which just seems crazy not, to me. That's like, not the Boris. Way. I agree with you that Boris wants Boris wants the sticker. Boris wants the biggest contract in the history of the sport number. That's what that guy wants. And that's what he's gonna get if Harper wants to do it too. The Dodgers aren't doing that. That's no. that's not the way Andrew Friedman, Zahidi, these these guys don't work this way. And for for all this, well, he's gonna—he might take less money or might take uh, less years. I just, this is this is still Scott Boris, and Bryce Harper is obsessed with. And no, he he tries to play it off like he's not this cocky, arrogant guy. Mm-hmm. He's a cocky, arrogant totally. guy, and he would love to say I'm the highest paid player in the history of baseball. I agree. If he there's there is a zero percent chance he takes a less contract than Giancarlo Sam got. Like he is going to surpass 325 because that is a part of the Bryce Harper ego. And Bryce Harper has a massive ego. He's been the been the guy since he was 16 years old. It's on the covers for the next LeBron. Baseball's LeBron, right? So like, I just I do not buy into any scenario where he takes less years and less money to go else. I just don't. I agree. I fundamentally do not believe that. Also, um, two things. The, two things. The Dodgers are also in the process of getting investors to to buy into the team because they they don't have that much money. Like they're 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 obviously the Dodgers and they can. Pay whatever, but they don't have a crazy amount of money, right? So they they're looking for investors, and a lot of what people are saying is that the investors don't. If they go over the luxury tax, investors don't want to buy into a team that has to give money back. And the Dodgers have really worked hard to be under that luxury tax. Like that is has been an uh, organizational approach to try and find ways to get back to that level. Yes, and another thing, Bryce Harper. Now, now I want everyone to 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 to. Really take this very seriously. So let, hold on, everyone. I'm Stop talk. what you're doing. No, no messing around on computers right. while you're listening. No watching TV. Right. No, no. Just st- listen. Pull over to the side of the road. Yeah. If you're, if you're Don't driving. Don't drive. Don't drive. Don't drive. I like that. If you're walking your dog, just stop. Yes. Do not kick your dog. No, just let your sit. dog yank on the, 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 you know, the leash and just chill. Bryce Harper is not going to the Cubs. Can we stop with this freaking <laughs> Cubs thing? Like every like I so I posted last week. Uh, I, I posted what Heyman said on WFAN, and all these Cubs fans were like, "Theo's gonna do it. He is not going to the Cubs. They cannot afford him. They just paid Kendall Graveman 525k. Like that's how much money they have. They have no money left. Kendall unless, Graveman. Unless someone takes a Hayward contract, which who is taking a Hayward contract? Not only listen, I have said this many times. Theo Epstein Uh-oh. is a freaking fraud. Oh my god! It's such a bad one take. of the worst free agents, bad free take. agent guys out there. Uh, anyway, so uh, he's not going to the Cubs. Like, I agree with unless that. Unless listen, they have a huge lesser contract, a huge Hayward contract, a Tyler Chatwood contract, like a you Darvish contract, you Darvish contract. <laughs> like they they do not, and they have to pay Chris Bryant. 
who already turned down a two hundred million dollar contract yep. offer. They're gonna have to pay Rizzo. Um, like they, there's just no pa- Javier Baez. Unless they trade, Chris, they have to pay Baez. Unless they trade Chris Bryant. Like in Baez, the, aka the guy who was second in the MVP voting last right, year. Right. Like there's just there is just no path to this happening. Unless unless they want to go unless they want to payroll over two hundred fifty million and then you're just getting and they murdered don't, and they don't tax. have that money they don't have that money yeah. so like enough with the Cubs thing it doesn't make any sense like I understand like if unless he's taking a again there is no scenario where Bryce Harper is taking like a five year contract worth two hundred million like no he's chance just, he's not doing that he wants a a eight to ten year contract worth more than Giancarlo Stanton's contract. Yeah, he is not leaving this I, free agency without a bigger contract than Giancarlo Stanton. There's only and the Machado part of it matters too. Those guys are yeah, but he's just not going to get it. Like, oh, he's I like, agree with you. I'm just saying the fact that Machado is out there, like, like that is just one more reason Harper's not going to let Machado go and get ten years, three fifty, and sign a five year, two hundred million dollar contract. Like I could see, but I could see for as much as I don't think Harper takes less money, I could see Machado taking less money to go to the Yankees. Oh, yeah, I think, uh, like, somewhat less money. I mean, we're talking, again, and this, you get into a situation with... Like, would he leave, let's say they offer the him... The union and whatnot. Let's say, let's say the uh, the Yankees offers 250 and the Phillies offers 300 Like, could you see him leaving $50 million on the table? No. I could see him leaving $50 million. I could see him leaving 20 25 something like that, but 50 is a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. I know. And and again for the union, and I go back to the CC Sabathia to the Yankees deal. He when after he was a free agent after that year with the Brewers, you know we all remember Shane Victorina. Just yeah. saying, slay the Goliath. I uh, just saying, um, he didn't want to go to New York. He made it very publicly clear. CC said, "I don't want to play in New York." The Yankees offered him sixty million more than the next highest offer, and the players' union said, "Hey, guess what, bro? You're going to New York. I don't care what you want. But you're <laughs> part of this union. You're going to New York. You are setting a precedent for our players." And the A Rod contract, same thing. The same thing. And but and, he was giving money. And back. we are talking about maybe the strongest union in America. Like that is how strong the players' union is. So besides WIP's union, well, of course, it's the SAG after. <laughs> you know, that's what we. I by the way, I got my first SAG after screener. Oh, you got the movie. Boom. Boom! Can't nice. wait to watch The Wife with Glenn Close. Yeah. I don't know, not really. Yeah. But I'm excited about the screener thing. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, back to Joel Sherman. I also, like, hours after the Sherman Beast comes out, Tom Verducci goes on the MLB Network and says, I, I think Harper's going to Philly. Uh, it just, and we've heard so many different things here. So so to kind of re-rack this, and then we'll get into the, the guy we don't want. Please, no. No. Don't do it, Phillies. Don't do it. Um... Do we are we still on the same page here? We still think it's Harper. Yeah. So uh, I was going to wrap up my thing. Like I think the only two realistic options for Bryce Harper are the White Sox and the Phillies. I just think that's it. And I, I, or I could, or a, and I agree with you that he's not going to. But like theoretically, if he wanted to do, if he wanted to, like I wouldn't like if the Dodgers offered him five years, two forty or something like. Could you offer him fifty million dollars a year on a shorter contract or forty five million dollars a year? I mean, it's crazy. But, like, that's the type of number I feel like it would have to be. And I don't think they will. The Dodgers are too prudent. Don't think they will. Yeah. and they. I, I, I think this is probably just BS even talking about and it. And they don't really need them. Like, they don't need a like, – yeah. I Like I said, they still have four good outfielders left on the roster after they traded two away. Yeah. And be a, a pretty lefty-heavy lineup. It already is. I mean, you add him in there. So, um, and so I really – Speaking of lefties coming up in a minute. <laughs> Stop. <Good>. I, I – uh, <laughs> I could see. I still think it's. I think it's White Sox, Phillies for Harper, 
And I think Machado's coming here unless he takes less money to go to the Yankees. I could, uh, yeah. I could see him taking less money to go to the Yankees. I could see him I could see him taking fifty million dollars uh, less Phillies, to go to the Yankees. Phillies, how about this? Can we just shove it in everyone's faces and sign both of them? After this whole off season of like this, that, that how about just give them both like three fifty and give one four hundred and let's say let let freaking roll. Yeah, well it's yeah, I feel like everything right now is just posturing. I mean the the whole Sherman thing to me was like um, hey, we're gonna. No one wants to play in Philadelphia, so you're gonna have to give us more money if you want to. If you want to, Philadelphia is basically Siberia. Can't yeah. leave my player out there in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Oh, it's so annoying. It's so it's, annoying. It's, it, 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 it's it's demeaning. Yes. Okay, is what it is. To Philadelphia as a Phillies, as a baseball city, and as a freaking top five market in this country. Like, get the f out of here all right like enough of this no we got great cheesesteaks uh, <laughs> great food we won't throw snowballs at you all I right promise all right jack yes we gotta do it oh uh, no rumors we gotta talk They're about out them. there for all right so jack and i made a, a point on our last show and i just want to double down on it um quickly before we talk about this guy I don't care if you're left-handed or right-handed. I just want you to sign a good pitcher, Phillies. Okay? I get it for the bullpen. But with starters, you don't have to sign a lefty. You don't have to. It is not a prerequisite. You can have right-handed starters as long as they're good. All right. Dallas Keuchel. (laughs) Jack, just go. They don't want to go five years in Dallas Keuchel. Please don't. Oh, my God. Of course not. Are you out of your minds? Yeah. Sorry, the time is yours. Dallas Keuchel is just is just not the guy, and (laughs) like I just I just don't get it. Like we just we just went through the Arietta thing last year. Did we not? Did we not? Did we not go through the (laughs) the the Arietta thing last year? Now here's here's what I will say: If they sign Dallas Keuchel, he will be better than Arietta. He, I trust oh, absolutely. Him. Like, I, th- I still think he has look, a role. Look, and he'll age better. I mean, there's a guy who's his velocity, fastball, average fastball velocity actually increased slightly from 89 to 90 last year. Wow. But like, on roids? <laughs> this is someone who is not like we're ta- when we're talking about Arietta, you know, you look at a guy who was throwing in the mid 90s and now throwing in the low 90s, and that's a massive difference in what that guy can do. He relied on it. Keiko, not necessarily someone who relies on the velocity in the same way. So it is something where you. You at least those type of guys generally age better. So but. here's here's my official position on Dallas Keuchel. Don't do it. At this point, he is a guy that is a good pitcher that's going to eat a ton of innings for you. Mm-hmm. Like he can be a he can he can be a solid four. Like he'll be a solid four I mean, on a good a rotation. Three. He could be a three. I'm talking about on a good rotation. Sure. Um, a solid three four on a good rotation. I like, love that we're. Th- there's a guy who won the Cy Young like three years ago. I or don't whatever. I, I know. I'm with Arietta you. won it three years. That's ago. a great point. Good like point. I, I do not. I know. I, do I know. Not you're care. right. You're right. I'm he, trying to give Dallas Keuchel some some do where I, I probably just shouldn't. So he he allowed the most hits in baseball last year. Um, he did he really the most? Yeah, he had 211 hits against wow. him last year. Um, he, but he did start the most games. He started 34 games last year. Mm-hmm. So, listen, at this point, Dallas Keuchel, he struck out 6.7 guys per nine. I mean, that's Are so you? bad. I mean, no joke. No <laughs> joke. so annoying. Joe, Jack couldn't get close to that. Listen, and- <laughs> I, well, obviously. Um, Dallas Keuchel just like, he had an ERA plus of 108. Like, he's just, listen, I think Dallas Keuchel... It's fine. He's, He's fine. fine. And listen, but if you're going to sign him, you better get some good infield, infield defense. That's that's absolutely true too. And uh, the other thing too is like if it, it's just it, it all comes down to years of money, right? Like if he if if the market bears out and and everyone feels the same way about Dallas Keuchel and there's not a team that really wants him and you don't have to go crazy, sure, I'm totally fine with you bringing Dallas Keuchel in. He's fine. He's a fine pitcher. He's better than 
you know, whoever your five is, whether you want to say it's Velasquez, I, I'd rather have Dallas Keuchel in my so rotation. Um, and I feel like everyone's like, what, what? You wouldn't even take him for a dollar? It's not, that's not, that's that's not, not the, the point. point. That's not what we're saying. That's I, exactly. I like him more than Look, than four Vince. years, 60? Sure. Bring him in. That's fine. Like, it's not great. I wouldn't be super excited about it, but like, that's my limit right there. Four years, 60. He's going to get more than that, I think. I think so, too. Um, and, that, and that's my limit. I'm talking like 15 million years. Like, I don't want to pay more than that for Dallas Keuchel, but that's the level where I think, it, like, okay. If you had to do it, four years isn't that many. Okay. Again, it wouldn't be, uh, three years, th- I'd rather give him three for 60 than I would four for 60, if you know what I mean. So why I don't love him is that I think 88 eventually gets caught up to. I mean, I look at Kyle Hendricks last 90, couple of years. 90 last year. I don't care. Give, he's, him, it, give him his dupe. <laughs> in my mind, he's always 88. Yeah. He doesn't strike anyone out. Um, and, and now he's coming to the Citizens Bank Park, which would not play well. If they if they do change the strike zone, like if they ever raise the strike zone, to above the knees, Dallas Keuchel's screwed. I was oh, watching, absolutely. I was watching some Keuchel the other day, and, and it's just like, balls. everything's right at the knees, which yeah. is good. It's good. It's smart. Whatever. I just don't. I don't trust guys that throw as soft as he does. It doesn't strike anyone out. I agree. With um, you. To, to just age well, especially in this day and age, um, and, and especially guys that rely on elite control, because. As soon as the control goes for Dallas Keuchel, it's game over. Well, and also as soon as as soon as like as soon as the velocity dips to a certain level, he'll become eminently hittable. It can be an overnight type of thing where the difference between ninety and eighty eight or eighty seven, like you said, is like everything. Yep. And and again, it's all about change of speeds. I think Tom Glavin stands out to me as one of the best to ever completely change. The way he pitched based on velocity, basically, he's like, all right, I can't throw hard anymore, so my curveball is going to be 65 instead of 75 and stuff like that and really mess with the speeds and changing of speeds, and that's the best you can hope for, and that was Tom Glavin at the end of a long, great career. Um, I worry that that's the best you're going to get from Keiko in a couple years, that type of pitcher, and that's the best-case scenario if he can figure out how to pitch that way. But once that velocity goes, especially on some of those secondary pitches, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, so if they want to sign him to be an innings eater, pitch to a three, between three five and four. In the I, National League, I could see him in, in a three three, three four, somewhere in that range, but mid threes, let's say. Right, like it wouldn't be a disaster signing. I just think there's a be better than Arietta signing. It'd be Sadly. better than Arietta. Like, listen, if <laughs> they didn't sign Arietta last season, I'd be much more in on on Keiko. Me too, because it's a, a a risk you feel a lot better taking. God damn it! Why did they sign it? I don't know, <laughs> like, man. It's it's such a. And again, at the time, we were all right with it because well, we, were, we were more excited. But we knew out, it was just like, "Hey, the Phillies did something. This is fun." Um, and and the market, they waited out the market and all that. Look, look, Jake Arrieta wanted a U Darvish contract. We could be hooked on for five years, one twenty or something on that guy. Like well, it could have been worse. One GM would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not my GM. <laughs> oh God! One day, killing me. Hold on, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that one day you're going to be like Jack. You were right. No, you Theo know why? doesn't have it. Because one Theo's day, not the one guy. day will never yeah. happen where he didn't end uh, 200 years of frustration. It I, makes you so it's mad. It's the greatest, because it's like- That's the, because that's the, it's the I best I genuinely take. It think be it's the greatest. Take. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it might be genuinely the greatest accomplishment in my <laughs> lifetime as a sports Wait fan. till he takes over U.S. soccer. Unless, unless Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl again this year, like that will be Epsteinian type of levels. Don't, don't ruin my, don't ruin my day. I mean, Grace Eagles quarterback of all time. No, just saying. Just saying. You're so annoying. <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, so, so uh, Keuchel. How's everyone doing? Keuchel, uh, four years, 60, whatever. Sure. I'm just saying there's a, a buyer beware with him, but he's better than Arietta. 
why the <laughs> why'd you sign Ariadne? Why'd you sign Ariadne? Um, all right. So what else should we talk about? Some here? Uh, reliever market. We're gonna get into questions in a sec. Real quick with the relievers. Last time we talked, we were like to sign Andrew Miller already. I guess the St. Louis Cardinals listen to I Hope's podcast because they just signed Andrew Miller already. Right, and they went two years, twenty four million. Nice deal. Like. Really nice deal. Uh, I would have. I would have taken in a second. I would have given him two years, thirty. Like just whatever. It's a two year deal. This guy's got talent. Like what are we doing here? Yeah, what I are mean, we doing here? Uh, why, why did that? Why did he go to St. Louis for two for twenty four? So I no. I mean, like obviously he went there for the money. The Phillies didn't offer that, and it feels like they're getting. That's my point. Why they're, they're getting conservative with with their money? And listen, if they think the knees are bad and he wasn't, he's not going to be the same sure. guy. It's a very fair point. He had a five ERA in September. Like I feel you like got to trust your your read on a guy. No right. Question. Perfectly fine. And all right, I'm gonna say it. Ooh, you should have seen the the smirk that Jack just got there. I'm gonna like, say it. Good. Mike Miner would be better than him in the bullpen. Wow. I'm just saying he'd be better right, than look, him in the he bullpen. He wouldn't be better than Andrew Miller, but like he like he could be. Theoretically, I I last year I had Mike Miner on my fantasy team. You gave me so much crap for it. You're like, why would you ever own Mike Miner on your team? And now you're coming around a little bit. Why do you? I don't even remember talking to you about Mike Miner during. I was on my fantasy team. I think you make up last, things I say about you. He was on you. my fantasy team last year. I'm just saying that in the league that we are in together. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that league. Anyway, yeah, um, so, too, too involved. He doesn't yeah, like auctions. It makes and, me think too much. Um, oh my god! What, what the baseball guy has to think about baseball too much? This is the guy who watches Bryce Harper highlights like for fun every day. You can't focus on baseball. Sorry. Can I please talk about Mike Miner? Anyway, yeah, so so two years ago, two years ago in the bullpen for the 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 Royals, he was outstanding. Two five five ERA, struck out ten point two per nine. Like that's that's outstanding. And he's a lefty. If they if they trade for Mike Miner and put him back in the bullpen, I would argue that that'd be a better move than than signing Andrew Miller. Again, dependent upon what the, it takes to trade. But they for would Mike be this. They would be the same kind of guy that can come in yeah. any inning and get you out of whatever. Well, I, I think actually Miner a little more versatile at this point in their career in the sense that Miner could give you three innings if you needed it. Miner could give you a longer. I gotta outing. be honest. The more I think about Mike Miner, the more in I am. I like Mike Miner. I don't have a problem with it. I just depend on what you give up for him. Right. Like, if, if they if, give it like Cole Irvin, sure, and something else like yeah, some lower and level, some B level prospect, or or even like a Gamboa alone or right. something like that, sure, I'm okay with that. Um, in his last 14 starts last year or 17 starts, he had like a three two. He was really ERA. good over the the second half of the season, really. Yeah, so his first two months were bad. I, I just I think Mike Miner is a it's a very shrewd under the radar trade if the Phillies pull it off because yeah. I think. I think, and I, I think he fits their what they like with versatility at at all spots. For some reason, he had a three eight WAR last year. Which is higher than Dallas Keuchel's. Wow. Yeah. That is shocking. I know. I mean, it, baseball reference war is it's about weird. as, as I, I just, it's, no not, one a, really it's knows. not a great stat. <laughs> like, I like war as a conceptual stat. Well, I like war for position players. I like war for position players. And I, I think that there's just no better way to really encompass everything a guy does. But man, there's some screwy stuff in there. Yeah. There, uh, like, especially from the defensive perspective, like, there's some real screwy stuff. That is a tangent that we don't need to get into. Um, Britain still out there. You know, I know there's been a lot of talk with him going back it's to the Yankees to, potentially. Again. Down to us or the Yankees. Uh, just sign Zach Britton. I just signed him. He's closed before. He gives you that kind of angle as well. If you're going to sign a lefty, like I know, trade for Mike Meyer, that's fine too. I'd like both guys well, in they're my different. bullpen. Yeah, they're they're di- very, that's my point. I'd like both guys. One guy can close for me. One guy can be my lefty everywhere. Yeah, so uh, I I want them to sign Britton. First off, I think Britain costs less than Kimbrel, and I don't even think it's a, a same hemisphere. Listen, Kimbrel, don't sign Craig Kimbrel for what he's going to cost. Kimbrel would do it. Kimbrel would be a nightmare. For as much as I don't want Dallas Keuchel, I want Craig Kimbrel less. Craig Kimbrel was bad 
at the end of last year. Dude, dude, the World Series was like it was like it's a heart attack. It was hard to it was terrifying. Like, and I was rooting against them, so it didn't really matter. But I like if I were a Red Sox fan, I would have been terrified watching that guy pitch for me in the playoffs in the World Series. And I feel like people just aren't looking at what he did. Like, and not even people just hear Craig Kimbrell. Right, and first of all, his fastball velocity was down. His his K per nine was down. He's walking more guys than ever. Um, hold on, I want to I want to make sure I have this stat right because it's it's terrible. And unless they're Fernando Rodney, like when do those guys end up just continually doing what they do and into their forties and and late thirties and all that? Like it just it's so rare that these guys kind of last. And, yeah. and obviously Mariano Rivera, well, that, that's but, but, a Hall of Fame closer. Right, but here's the difference with both of those guys, is that Rivera was they, 92. They were, exactly, they're not max velocity guys. Like Kimbrell's a max velocity guy. Like That's kind of where your arm is. And he's a massive slider guy. Yeah. A, like a hard, hard. Hard slider, yes. Right. So in the last two months of last season, heading into the playoffs, he had a 4.15 ERA. Not great. That's not great. I mean, he's looking, I've heard he's looking for a five-year deal, six-year deal. People were saying it's it's out, out, outlandish. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, he... He, so his, his his strikeouts per nine dropped by three points last last year, and his walks went up by th- three. So his, whoa, whoa, whoa. so strikeout per nine drop the actual number. All right, so strikeout per nine in twenty seventeen was sixteen point four, which is ridiculous. Outstanding. Yeah. Twenty eighteen went to thirteen point nine, which is still, still a really nice number, but a, a significant drop. Walks per nine in twenty seventeen one point eight, up to four point five last year. Okay. What a season he had two years ago! Oh, it was unbelievable! Oh my god, a sixteen four and a one eight, like yeah, what? He had a one, he had a one four three year. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is unhittable type stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the numbers that four and a half walks per nine is is way too many for a guy like and that. The, and the year before that, he had five point one. So. Yeah, well, he was a terrible the year before. It was like that's the thing is if you step back and forget the year he had two years ago and look at two of the last three have been bad seasons for Craig Kimbrell. Right. So if you gave him a five year contract, it'd be a disaster. Um, we've talked about Britain a lot. In in the sense that, um, you know, obviously he's coming off the Achilles. He was he was he wasn't where he was velocity wise. But by the end of last season, good. the Yankees trusted him. He was back at the ninety six in the whole month on the month of September. He did not allow a run. Pitched well in the postseason. He's going to cost less than less than Craig Kimbrell. And the 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 most underrated, and most important part of all this is that it makes Sir Anthony back to his fireman role. Yep. And he does not have to be this this shutdown guy in, in, in the end of the in the end of the game. So if you add in Britain, uh, you let Sir Anthony roam. You let Mike Minor roam. Yeah, that, that's two very valuable bullpen pieces. You see what you have in Nishek and Hunter. If you want to trade one of those guys for for something else, so bye, Pat. <laughs> yeah, be a real shame. See you, so, buddy. You you will not be missed. Yeah, Kimbrel, Kimbrel would be a nightmare. Britain would be fine. I just I think Britain gets like four forty five. I don't know if it's that much. I was thinking like three for thirty, but it could be. I'd sign up for three for thirty in a second, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, look, if Miller gets two for twenty four, like I don't think Britain gets that much more. I think he gets more. He's a little younger. Uh, he doesn't have the same type of knee issues and all that. I think we'll get more, but I don't know if it's that much more, and I don't know if it's more on an AAV uh, basis. One other name, and I know we've talked mostly lefties, but you brought up Kimbrough. Like, I would so much rather them sign David Robertson than sign Craig Kimbrough. Like, go, go, I mean, Robertson, older, two-year deal, something like that, but, like, representing himself, do you feel like you should be able to take advantage of? Yeah. I mean, like, a guy like that, like, there are, just, there are names out there that if they're going to go out and— Odovino. Uh, Odovino, exactly. Just don't give Craig Kimbrough— Lots of years and lots of money. Don't do it, please. Yeah, especially for a closer. And especially for, again, there's a difference between power closers and closers. Absolutely. Jansen's another guy who cutters, 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 like, and a big sweeping curveball. Like, he's going to age well. Could do it forever. I would trust him to age well. You trust Hoffman. You trust Rivera. 
you do like you do not trust guys like Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, Hoffman who was are, a changeup guy. I right. mean, they, absolutely. You don't trust guys like Craig Kimbrell that throw ninety five and, and have, have a, a hard wicked slider. slider. I agree with you. It's it's never once has that guy aged well. Never once in the history of the sport that guy has never aged well. Yeah. Um. All right. Stay away. Any other thoughts before we dive into the Yes, practice? I think we have to talk about Jason Ochoa, right? I thought we were going to save it for the end, but sure. Well, I don't, just dive I have, in. I have, I, when you're in love, you're in love, and you can't hide it. It's okay. I have, I'm talking about Jack. I have, in love with Jason I have something else for the end that I want okay, to right, save for final so, thoughts. So, so, so give your little uh, your ode to Jason. So Jason Ochart, I would argue, was the second biggest free, free agency offseason move the Phillies made this season behind getting a Harper or Machado. I think I think Jason Ochart is is that important. <laughs> like from going from all right, so Harper Machado one, Jason Ochart two. Jason Ochart is Eno Saris wrote about this about two weeks ago, talking about how player development is the Wild West and it's the single most important part of building a modern baseball. No team. question. Like you, As it should be. You need good player development, and so what the Phillies are doing right now is that they are going, they are starting a top. Uh, uh, a top-down approach. So obviously, last year was the first year they implemented John Maylie's system and that kind of hitting philosophy. And in the players they've brought in this offseason, we've already seen that change a little bit, which is good, whatever. But what they're doing is that they're going to each level of the minor leagues and they are implementing their offensive approach. So they're so that guys in rookie ball and single A, double A, triple A all understand that they're all on this one certain path. Which is and, great. Which is good, which is smart. because Organizational once, philosophy filtered from the top down, it is, a, it is a great thing. That is what smart organizations do. Exactly. So, so, so by doing that, every level they raise, all the players know the plan, whatever. What Jason Ochart has done at Driveline is he has basically changed uh, 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 hitting approaches for, for the better. Like he is, He's obsessed with swing path. He's obsessed with uh, slug potential and, and maximizing a guy's like uh, maximizing a guy's potential, basically. Like he just is so good at at figuring out what like he's, he studied kinetics or whatever, like all that stuff, all the all the like he's just crazy smart when it comes to hitting. Um, and it's one of those signings that's going to be under the radar that he's going to be brought in, and you might see legitimate breakouts. Like he, it's. It it maximizes their chance to get the best out of their minor league talent, basically. Which is, I mean, look, a no brainer of an idea, uh, you know, to go in and find someone who's going to help you with this, especially someone as as heralded at it as like Jason Ochart. What he's done at Driveline is he's taking he's taken average hitters and turned them into really really good hitters. Like his his philosophy is the same kind of philosophy that led to Max Muncie, Justin Turner, J D Martinez. Like, I mean, a lot of these types. of And guys. it's not all launch angle. Um, it's not all maximizing launch angling, figuring out that stuff. Which I'm sure a lot of Phillies fans will be happy to hear. Right, right, right. But it's 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 max. It's finding the best possible swing path for each hitter, and that's what he was obsessed with at, at driveline. And I just think that it's gonna lead. It's it's gonna maximize. It's gonna maximize and max out the talent that you have in the minor leagues. And I think it's gonna do wonders for guys like Adam Hazley because Adam Hazley, we talked about last week, not a big load guy. Not a big load guy. <laughs> he he needs he, more to load, right? And he's got this funky little leg kick in the front. Um, so I just think he's gonna it's gonna help maximize Adam Hazley get the most out of him because Adam Hazley right now is a guy who has elite uh, uh, bat to ball skills. I mean, he batted over three hundred last year in, in, in both levels in double A AA and triple A or uh, uh, single A and double A. So I think it's gonna maximize that. Hopefully, get some added power out of out of him. 
Hopefully it helps Mickey Moniak build off what he did at the end of last season. Um, and the one guy who I'm probably the most excited about outside of Hazley is is Luis Garcia, their 17-year-old or 18-year-old shortstop prospect who just burst onto the scene last year like crazy good. Um, they did not expect him to bat over 300. He did to go along with his elite glove. So, and, and Luis Garcia... Is a guy when you watch him, he kind of moves around a lot, and it feels like there's a lot of wasted movements. And I think Otrak's going to cut out the wasted movements, and he's going to really reach his Francisco Lindor uh, oh, talent level. Wow, look at that! I don't know if he's going to be, but I mean, when yeah, I, when he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. When I was we'll watching him, there. when I was watching him, I, I was seeing shades of Francisco Lindor. I mean, so, look, um, uh, Keith Law once described watching Francisco Lindor take fielding practice as baseball porn. Nice. I thought that was a really good phrase for it. Huh? He's so slick out yeah. there. Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm very excited. It's something that a it is something that a forward-thinking franchise does, and it's something that a smart, modern-day baseball franchise does, and the fact that the Phillies were the one that did it, and they were the ones that got the guy who I think is the best, uh, the best amateur hitting coach in the country – it was. I was floored. I was so happy. I, love letters being written on Twitter. Uh, so anyone out there, uh, if you know Jason Ochart, if you want to tweet at Jason Ochart, tell him that if he comes on the High Hopes pod, I promise to keep Jack from like you know trying to make him fall in love with him any more than he already has. I will. I will rein Jack in. But I'm we'd just, love to have Ochart on this show. I'm just. I'm just happy that the like. I'm. I'm more for as excited as beyond I am, happy. Let's be real. For as excited as effusive. I am, effusive. For as excited as I, I am, I got texts okay. like just, just, just Jason Ochart. Yeah, no, because the, the love and effusiveness is it has to be noted. For as excited as I am about him being the guy, I'm just excited that the Phillies thought this way, and I think that it's ultimately going to pay. It's going to pay a bunch of dividends down the road. All right, we got some questions, Jack. Yes, yes, yes. So um, mailbag, mailbag. All right, we should get a lot. <laughs> Great. Be, Good be, thing we waited until 42 minutes into the pod, or in our 40 minutes into the pod, to do it. Um, from Johnny Heller, if Machado and Harper go both go elsewhere, what moves can the Phillies make to still put together a, a postseason caliber roster in 2019? Um, that's a great question. Look, I think if you beef up the bullpen and you add another starting pitcher, um, whether through trade or whatever, whether it's a Kluber, a Bumgarner, you know, one of the guys we've talked about, I think they're close to a playoff contender there I mean like look already with the changes they made, you'd like to see them add another bat. They're going to need to add another bat one way or another, whether it's a big name or not, but I think they're on the fringe of, of playoff contention there. I, I think they're as good as the Nationals. I don't think they're quite at the Braves, but you know we could easily see uh, Braves take a step back, some young players regress a little bit, all that. So um, I, I think they're kind of close to being that type of thing already, regardless of the Harper Machado of it all, but um, it's a great question, and, and I think ultimately you know, they're not going to be the team they could be if they don't add one of these big guys. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if they strike out on these guys if they go for a, a big... Like a Pollock or someone like that and try well, and... I'm talking like a trade. Try and like make a... a I think they, I mean, look, I think they're probably looking into all that type of stuff. I, that just made me think that Paul Goldschmidt got traded to the Cardinals. It's yeah. so annoying. I'm so annoyed by that. He's like, such a classic Cardinal. Uh, you, yeah, Jack Fritz tweeted that out. Paul Goldschmidt feels like a Cardinal, and, and then you know, a week later it happens. But... Um, yeah, I'm with you. They need to do something like that. They need to go get somebody who can make a difference, whether yeah. it's your trade or something. Yeah. Um, I think right now they're they're a fringe playoff team. Yeah, that's where I think they're at. And maybe if they trade for one more starter, get one of those, the like the last guys to the pen. Yeah. One of those. And add things. add some sort of bat that can help, whatever it is. And Britain. Yeah. And beef up the pen, add a starter, a bat, they're they're a playoff contender. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, Well, what about Pollock and, and these guys? 
my my problem with going after a Pollock, going after whoever's still out there, um, is that it, it it moves the needle. Like I don't want a move that's going to move the needle for just next season. I don't care about right. next season. I know what you mean. For as much as I like, obviously care about next right. season, you're but you're thinking years past that. Yeah, I want a I guy do, that can. I like AJ Pollock more than you. Uh, well, the I injuries love AJ Pollock. He's a great. He's a really fun player, man. I'm a big AJ Pollock fan, but I know what you're saying, and I agree with you conceptually. Right. I love AJ Pollock. I am worried that he's not going to ever stay healthy. All right, from uh, Matt Noscow. That's a little longer one. Uh, Jack and James, since I know you guys uh, like talking roster scenarios, so here's an idea for you. This is at the Phillies sign Machado. They go to the Pirates and try to acquire Cer- Cervelli and Corey Dickerson. Dickerson would become your left fielder, and Cervelli would be your backup uh, catcher with Jorge Alfaro. The key would be um, Dickerson, who had a solid year offensively and had a career-best year defensively. Reports were they're listening, to, they're listening, but trying to compete this year. Both guys are on last year's respective deals. Trade them, Altair, Morgan, and Spencer Howard. Um, maybe another prospect. They're reportedly looking for another left-handed pitcher for their bullpen, and Altair has control and upside, while Howard is a future prospect. Then go to Cleveland and trade for Kluber, package Medino, or Sixto, Sixto um, Williams, Eflin, um, and other this prospects. Is way too much going on here. <laughs> so your team uh, way look, too much. So going the team on here. would look like Alfaro, Hoskins, Hernandez, Segura, Machado, Dickerson, Herrera, McCutcheon, um, with Cervelli, Quinn, Kingery on the bench. Nola, Kluber, Arietta, Pavetta, Velasquez would really I mean, enjoy hearing your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, look, sure, it sounds fun. There's a lot, lot to take in there. I don't want to trade Spencer Howard for I, one I, year. I was just about Dickerson. to say that my biggest issue with that trade is Spencer Howard, but with that whole all he talked about, like six toe for Kluber, sure, I, I can get there, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not trading Spencer Howard to the Pirates for Cervellian alone. I don't think Spencer Howard alone for Dickerson and Cervelli does it for me personally. Like I don't, I don't. That's a risk. That I don't think those guys. Move the needle up. Corey Dickerson, a really nice player. He's a guy who was DFA'd last year by the Rays, and that was a big well, mistake. Well, that's because the Rays are. Big mistake by the Rays, I agree. But, like, Corey Dickerson is not a game-changing player. He's a really nice player. Cervelli, not a game-changing player. Yeah. A nice player. And, again, I— And Spencer Howard, as you've talked about, like, shooting up your list of guys who you don't want to yeah. move unless it's the right team. Right. Um, and, again, I, I don't— I care about next season, but I want guys who are going to be a part of my future core. Okay. And a one-year, a one-year, a one-year guy doesn't make any sense. Um, from uh, John Middleton's bank account at the process then. As of now, what are your predictions for where Harper Machado sign and for how much? Harper here, Machado Yankees. Uh, I will say Harper. I'm going to say ten years, four hundred million. I think it's one of those things where it is. It gets to the point where it's just like screw it. Here's your money, and they're going to take what they can get. And I think Machado, I think you're right. I think he takes a little less. I think it's a significant gap. I, I think Machado's eight, three hundred, something like that, maybe, somewhere in that general range. Um Okay. I'll say I'll say Machado to the Yankees for eight two fifty and Harper here ten years four twenty five. Fair. So we're in the same range. Um from at Chatter John. Uh, Franco rumors have been dead silent this winter. Do you think he's a non-Machado? He's, do you think he's in the non-Machado Phillies plans? I sure hope so. No. Yeah, I think Franco's gone. I think he's gone. Whether it's it's this offseason, whether it's before the deadline, whether it's whatever, I don't think Franco's a long-term answer here. Um, another Franco-related question: If they don't get Machado, oh, from Steve, if they don't get Machado, do you agree that they should give Franco one more year, then go out go for Arenado next offseason? Mustakas does nothing for me, and I don't see anyone else worthwhile. I think everyone knows where I stand on this one. Like, uh, whatever. Like, you know, and Mustakas is better than Franco. There's no question; he's a better player than Michael Franco. And 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 just to get out in front of this, like, we all want Nolan Arenado. Like, that sounds awesome, but. 
that's a year away. We don't know if Arenado, Arenado might accept an uh, uh, extension from the Rockies. Like, he's considered it. They've done a lot to try and build around him. They went to the playoffs last year. Like, Nolan Arenado as the the an option for next year is, is so far from locked in stone or even a realistic yep. option. Like, don't go there yet. Yeah, it's it's too early. It's tough. Um, and again, if I had to bet right now, I would bet he stays in Colorado. That's what I would bet. Mm, I would too. I would too. Um, but they do have Brandon Rogers, Trevor Story. They've got they've got some options down the road. They gave Blackman that huge deal. That, yes, they did. But uh, Arenado, Arenado has a chance to go down as the best player in franchise history. Like he has the chance to be. He is their top, next Todd Helton. Like that's the way they view him as that next guy who will be there for his career. So they will do what it takes or that, whatever they can to make that happen. But who knows? Look, if he hits the market, he's another guy who could get four hundred million dollars. So. Um, from Joe Cornick. Uh, what grade do you give the Phillies offseason so far? I'm at a D. Could get to a C with an addition of a starter and a left-handed reliever, but can't get above a B- minus without Harper or Machado, barring a blockbuster trade we didn't see coming. I'm I'm not big on grading mid. Like, I, like I, I, I'd give them an incomplete. Like, I can't. A C, I guess, right now. But, like, I don't know. Like, if there's... Look... If they don't, if they do what we did, what we said, and they don't get Harper, look, if they don't get Harper Machado, it's a failure in one sense, no matter what. But I don't know. I'm going to say incomplete. Yeah, I uh, I would say right now they're a better team. It's still incomplete. I would give them like a C plus. Okay. Um, because I think I like the moves they made so far. I like the moves they made so far. Um, it's not enough from at Von Kramer. Do you think in any way that Kapler is a factor in Harper and Machado no. not wanting to come to no. Philly? No, no. First of all, I don't think they don't want to come here. Because, like, <laughs> and second of all, to think that Kapler, like, no, a strong, hard, definitive no on that question. Yeah, and honestly, if you're signing a ten-year contract, there's a probably zero percent chance that that a Kapler lasts that long. Yeah. And it, and guys don't go places because of managers. Like that's just not what happens in baseball. It just isn't. And they don't not go places because of managers. And again, just because you don't like Gabe Kapler doesn't mean that baseball players don't like Gabe Kapler. Okay. Yeah. Like sorry. Um, from Ethan Witt at Ethan Witt. Um, Ethan underscore Witt. Assuming the top four of the rotation remains Nola, Arietta, Pavetta, Velasquez, would you rather the fifth spot be Eflin or an opener? <laughs> Look, I think for some reason Eflin seems to have more value to major league franchises than than you or I have equated on him. So I think Zach Eflin as an asset is worth starting for that specific reason. But from a conceptual philosophical standpoint, I love the opener and I have no problem if Phillies want to do it. Oh, come on. You're not an opener guy? It works. What do you want to do? No, I know it works. It's it works. Just... Who cares? I want to win baseball games. Yeah, I don't care. I... You're a pitcher. It's a different thing. I want to win baseball games. The Tampa Bay Rays won like, what were like 17 games over 500 last year, 18 games over 500, with a roster one-tenth as good as the Phillies. And the Phillies didn't have a great roster. So I'm all in for the opener if they want to do it. I just I don't think that's what they're going to do. But I, I don't hate the idea at all. Yeah, I just I don't think the opener. I would probably put, for what it's worth, I think Eflin would be ahead of Velasquez in the Phillies' minds in terms of who they value as a starting pitcher, too. Agree. what it's worth. All right, uh, last one here. Uh, from Char- Charlie Capelli. Charlie. 
Uh, can you explain why the Phil strategy of seeing max number of pitches is good? I get in old MLB, it was all about getting starters out of the game, but today aren't bullpen pitchers throwing better than a lot of starters? Wouldn't it be better to try and, and shell soft-throwing starters before they're out of the game? It seems like their strategy is based on a false assumption that starters are better than relievers. That was true even five years ago, but is it true today? I don't want to work counts and get starters out of the game. I want to shell starters uh, before they are, uh, while they're in the game. Also, this question is crap. Ignore it. I didn't ignore it. Uh, I actually think it's a really good question. It's something you and I have talked about a lot yep. on this show in the past. We were the first podcast to bring up the Phillies' offensive approach. I'm pretty sure we were. Look, we yeah, I I, I would love to see. Uh, I think that approaches should be more pitcher specific, more situation specific, and all that type of stuff. I know Jack loved watching the Red Sox just go out and freaking hit the baseball and, and get hits and run around the bases. Um, I think philosophically speaking, it's a fascinating question. I, I certainly agree with the concept that the whole getting to the bullpen thing isn't what it used to be, but you also have to think about it in the grind of it all, in a three-game series, a four-game series, deep into September, into August, into July, all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, guys are wearing down, and, and having a reliever go three days in a row, or having this or that, yep. like that, there are advantages to it. It's not like there's no advantage to seeing pitches and stuff, but I do agree that I think... There, there could be a way to be more selective about it based on the matchups and all that. Now, I will say that it feels like a regular season strategy. Like it feels like a good regular season, solid strategy because, um, like you said, you, you're you're worried about you know bullpen guys in the first game. You don't want to blow your bullpen in the first game of a three or four game series. Mm -hmm. So, but I will say when it comes to the playoffs, I think it does hinder you because you can see like I feel like the Dodgers had the same approach, right? Um, but what we saw in the World Series was that the Red Sox just said, okay, we'll throw Nathan Avaldi and Rick Borsello at mm -hmm. you, and they can go multiple innings, so it doesn't even matter. So um, I, I think it's a good, solid regular season approach, but I think it doesn't win ultimately. So, I, and the Phillies last I think that's year. That's a good way to put it. The Phillies last year, they did this, they tried to do it, and it was like the Dodgers light, Yankees light, all that stuff. Uh, the guys they've added so far this offseason are guys are, who don't really do that. Yeah, they are guys who are, are going away from that. So it feels like the Phillies are kind of going away from it, which is a, a, a solid move because I was worried, many times I said this, I was worried that they were going to get stuck in this uh, approach that was getting faded out of baseball. Um, now, I will say, Jorge Alfaro was still uh, way low in the... Yeah. In the, in the, in the he was like 404 out of 405 in whiff percentage last year. So not good. Always fun stuff. Um, but I agree with you. It's a it's a good question. So yeah. I thought it was a great question. All right. Final thought, Fritzy. All right. Uh-oh. Here uh -oh. we go. The second Jack Fritz take of the show is that I think I think Nick Pavetta is going to put together a Kurt Schilling like oh! a Phillies Kurt Schilling like season next year. Kurt Schilling. Were you just trying to find the take that would be most Jack Fritz and come with that? Uh, no, I was looking at. Uh, so I was watching. So I was looking at Nick Pavetta's stats, and I was looking at Kurt Schilling's stats. And Kurt Schilling took until age thirty to put together a similar uh, strikeout to walk um, ratio as Pavetta did last year. So um, strikeouts per nine last year, Pavetta was ten point three, which is ridiculous, and he only walked two point eight. And it took Schilling until age 30 to get that similar kind of season. Now, this is all prefaced by saying that Pavetta needs to come into spring training with a third pitch. So it's whether it's a splitter, whether it's a changeup, I would love for it to be a splitter, whatever. He probably can't throw a splitter because his arm probably can't handle it. But um, change up something, some kind of third pitch. He was Nick Pavetta will be a very good starter one day. 
I don't know. If, I think it's gonna be next year. Potentially you, a Hall of Fame starter. You do not. Like. You do not strike out that many and walk that little. And it. You do, You're not a bad pitcher. I agree with you on that. Like I. I that is a. You can't go an entire season with those type of numbers and not have some level of skill. But to be fair, I mean, and those numbers are, are extreme. But like a guy like Jared Eikhoff, what was it, eight strikeouts to to one plus walk? So like there are. You can see examples of it, but ten and and two is ridiculous. Pretty impressive. So uh, Nick Pavetta is going to be good. Nick, we're going to get you on the podcast too. Uh, all right, rate and review the podcast. Do it for Fritz. It makes him so happy. And then you can, I can get the text from him with your review, and yeah. then, so you can make fun of me in the review. Just be nice to Jack. Um, and uh, everyone have a uh, happy and healthy and wonderful New Year's. Uh, go out and have fun, or like me, stay home with your daughter, hmm. newborn daughter, and not do anything fun, but um, regardless. And Machado's signing after the new year, so yeah. we will, so we will we, find out where he's going. We will find going. out. This, uh, maybe, right? He might take the year off. Who knows? Um, but we'll be back to talk about it. We'll be back in the new year regardless, and obviously if there's emergency reasons, mm. definitely. freaking emergency pod. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.